Welcome back to Novel Ideas of the Illiterati. This week, unfortunately, I am doing a solo episode. My lovely co-host, Michael, might have contracted COVID, and so we're using this opportunity to do something we've talked about of between episodes, we could read folk stories on here. And it was a good time for us to read the original story that Sleeping Beauty is based off, which is called Perseverus. Persephrost? Permafrost? Something like that. Um, but it was written by an anonymous French author, hey Poppy, um, believed to have been written between about 1330 and 1345 or so. And then with the advent of the printing press, it became widely distributed. And before I do get started reading this story, um, some things you should know. This is out of a larger collection of stories, and so this the story of Princess Zeladine, not Princess Aurora, has been, it's kind of hodgepodge together, and someone has kindly put together all the passages relating to this tale. So that's what I'll be reading, is specifically about Princess Zeladine. And another thing is, um, the story, as it is an older folks story, it's not quite a Disney-type story, so there, I do have to say that please be warned, the story does have an instance of sexual assault and rape, so if that is potentially triggering, avoid this episode. Uh, come back when Michael's here anyway, that'll be a lot more fun anyway, but... Alright, without any further ado, this is the complete tale of Troilus and Zeladine from Perseverist. So we're starting with Book 3, Chapter 46, How Troilus Leaves to Go to Zeladine, and How He Was Enchanted There with So Many Other Adventures That Befell Him in That Country. His, Troilus's only desire was to find the whereabouts of the beautiful Zeladine, whom he loved more than himself. But one day it happened that the noble and kind Troilus was riding along the shore being sorry that he could not obtain any news from the beautiful Zeladine, nor from her country. Thus, riding along in a pensive mood, he saw a large ship which unlucky winds had driven off course in spite of the efforts of her crew. When Troilus saw the ship, he realized from the appearance of the soldiers that they had had a bad fortune, and in order to know that he approached them and found that they had disembarked. He greeted them and addressed them thus. Gentlemen sailors, God bless you. My lord, said the master of the ship, may your day be blessed. Master, answered Troilus, it seems to me that the seas acted against you. My lord, you speak the truth, for our intention was to arrive in Great Britain, but we landed instead on the shores of Scotland, and we must therefore return from whence we came. The orders that bring us here are very urgent. In the name of God, said Troilus, tell me where you come from and what are your orders, if you're allowed to tell. My lord, said the sailor, I am willing to let you know that we are from Zeland, and the task that leads us to Great Britain is not such a great secret that we cannot speak of it. Let us tell you, therefore, that we are looking for a knight named Zeladin, from Zeland, our king. Sent orders for him his return with all possible speed because of an extraordinary accident which happened in our country. For Zeladine, our king's daughter, upon returning from Great Britain the other day, after having attended the festivities honoring the return of the noble king Persephorit, she had this terrible thing happen to her two days afterward. It was so terrible an accident that it is hardly believable. According to what I heard, she was staying among the young maids, and she fell into such a deep sleep that she never woke up. 
without having eaten nor drunk anything, and yet has not changed color. Her father's more unhappy than any man in the world could be. And we left to search for son Zeladin, but the bad weather compelled us to land here. When Troilus heard this news, it should not be such a great surprise if he became very sad, because Zeladin was the woman he loved most in the world. But, because grieving would not be of any use for him, he regained his courage and said, In the name of God, lords, you have told me something absolutely astonishing. But tell me then, did the father of the young maid ask the advice of any doctors? Yes, of course, said the sailors, but their efforts were useless. Well, handsome lord, said Troilus, since it is so, and that you are compelled to return to Zeland before you set off again for Great Britain, I beg of you to take me with you, and I would be infinitely grateful for this. To tell you the truth, I know a little bit about medicine, being myself the son of one of the best doctors in the world, and I would be very happy if I were able to heal the young princess. My lord, said the sailor, I will gladly take you there. After these words, Troilus boarded the ship, and the sailors raised the sails and navigated the ship onto the open seas, for the weather had become favorable. And they set sail until they landed in Zeland, then they headed back to sea toward Great Britain. And when Troilus found himself in the country where he was told if his princess was dwelling, he rejoiced. But as he was aware of her condition, he became so sad that it would be difficult to console him. That is why he decided he would not stop his search until he had found her again. Troilus, however, is obliged to stop on his way because of a big wind that slowed him down. He meets a shepherd who takes him to the lady of his manor. She offers him lodging and dinner. After the repast, the lady asks Troilus what brings him to the island of Zeland. My lady, says Troilus, many a knight leaves his country to seek glory and honor, but I am among many knights the most ignorant and unworthy. I will find with pleasure a way to devote myself until I can make a name for myself among the gallant knights. Know, therefore, that when I was in Great Britain, a knight from Zeland did accomplish so much in short time that he is honored among the most valiant knights. And now that I am in his country, I would very much like to know if he is here or where I can find him. My lord, said the lady, the knight of whom you speak is not here. It seems that he is in Great Britain. How auspicious it would be if he were here, and his father Zeland, too, who is searching for him, because he has a sister who is gravely ill, and there is no one who knows how to cure her. This is why her father sent for Zeladin to, to help and to know if in Great Britain there is some doctor who could find a remedy for her illness. My lady, said Troilus, it is a shame because the maid is beautiful, wise, and well-bred. But tell me, I beg you, what accident befell her? My lord, said the lady, a month ago today, the princess returned home from a party that took place in Great Britain. I will tell you that upon his return, there were many, very many ladies from Great Britain invited to honor him at the feast. But when the feast was over, she stayed in a room with two other ladies, her cousins. The same day it happened that she removed from the head of her cousin a flax distaff and began to spin. But she did not even finish the first spin when she fell into a swoon and took an unfortunate spell of sleep, and she slept so deeply that she has not woken up since. And without eating or drinking, and without losing color or weight, these circumstances of her illness surprise everyone. And they wondered how she might live in such a state. But it is said that the goddess Venus, whom she has always honored, keeps her in good health. In the name of God, my lady, said Troilus, I am very sad to learn of the misfortune of the young lady because in the past she honored me with her friendship in Great Britain. I beg of you please to tell me where she is, because I promise you that if I can, I will help her with pleasure and I will comfort her in her misfortune. 
For all the honor and all the goodness I have inside of me, I owe to her, and I swear that if my knightly body could be of use of her, I would not hesitate to offer my life for her love. My lord, said the lady, heaven protect you from evil and danger, for all acts of goodwill should be taken into account to accomplish a good deed. And as far as I am concerned, I wish you would recover, since my son is a valiant young knight who loves her very much, and I fear much for his life if the princess dies. When Troilus heard the lady say she had a son who was very much in love with the princess, he was immediately overcome by jealousy, which is an evil when it robs one of patience. The lady understood that Troilus loved Zeladine, and to get rid of him, she made him lose his memory. Troilus woke up days, not knowing where he was nor why. He sets out walking and arrives at the palace of Zeland, where he is taken as a crazy man. But the real madman of court declares Troilus is the one who will cure Zeladine of her illness. It is for that reason that the king Zelen takes him under his protection. One day, the king takes him to the temple of the goddess Venus, where the king is going to pray for the recovery of his daughter. Troilus falls asleep in the court. That is when the goddess Venus approaches him and dampens his eyes and forehead with her saliva. Troilus wakes up. He recovers his memory yet without understanding what happened to him. The guard of the temple explains to him and also tells him what provoked the princess's illness. The guardian speaks. Let me tell you what the midwife said about this situation. They have a custom in this country that when a woman is eight days from labor, she goes in the company of other women to perform her devotions in this temple before the three other goddesses whom she should worship. Now I tell you that the day the pregnant women should give birth, they prepare one of the rooms the most comfortable way they can, as it befits a noble lady. And then they have a great buffet, served with food and drink put in the room. There are three vessels with the best beverage, three goblets, and three knives. And when the pregnant woman is ready to deliver, the three goddesses who came for the birth go so discreetly to this table that no one is able to see them. And there each goddess finds her plate garnished with all the best food, her cup filled and her goblet and her knife, as well as the best sliced bread. The goddess Lucina sits at the head of the table, for it is she who brings the creature to the earth, dead or alive. Next to her sits the goddess Venus. As soon as the creature comes to earth, she blesses every part of the body with love, and so fully that each limb should receive warmth, as much as each newborn can receive, male or female, and give it the grace of life until the baby is an adult. Next to her is Sara, the goddess of destinies, who ordains life and everything that will happen, sweet or bitter, according to the goddesses. But the midwives suspect that perhaps the goddesses were not entertained as well as they have wished, and consequently all three of them, or two, or only one of them may be insulted, and that is why this misfortune happened. Certainly, my dear friend, says Troilus, I have heard up until now so many good things about the maid that I am sad for her trouble and misfortune, but tell me, if you please, where is the maid sleeping? Well, my lord, says the kind man, she dwells in a fortified tower, alone and isolated from the people, where her father, Zeladin, has left her in care of the gods. King Zelen's sister arrives. Troilus, who is ashamed of his adventure, the episode of his madness, at court, comes out of the temple and takes the road leading to the forest. He decided that he should never rest until he knew where the beautiful Zeladin was lying ill, and he would never know any happiness until having received other news of her. He rode along, therefore, several days, not knowing where to find the Jumel castle, because he did not know the way, and because the country was so sparsely populated. In all of this region there was only the castle Jumel, where anyone was living. He rode through several regions, and finally he was very near the castle of the three goddesses, for which he was wonderfully joyous, 
because he thought he would go and pray before the altar of Venus so she would be kind enough to advise him. So he went to the entrance of the temple and tied his horse to a tree. He entered and immediately recognized the image of Venus. So he turned towards her, kneeled down, and said fervently, Goddess Venus, who comforts me of my passion, because I languish so much as a lover that there is no comfort for me other than in the good which will not abandon me. And this kind of hope promises me that if the beautiful maid dies, she would be the cause of my despair and of my life or death. And thus I would have lost all joy and will finish my life in shame, although it seems to me that if no one can die shamefully, it is for love. The noble knight stayed so long in prayer before Venus that the sun went down and it began to become dark and obscure in the temple, for there were very few windows. And the knight, who had not yet finished worshipping the goddess, insisted so much that she heard no one but him, and she was so compassionate and inclined to help all the lovers asking for aid, heard his prayers, and also she takes great pleasure in giving the ultimate rewards to lovers. And it happened thus soon that the knight who had not ceased to ask for help and comfort heard the feminine voice who spoke thus in this way. Noble knight, do not lose heart. See if you are capable of such an accomplishment of prowess, and penetrate inside the tower, where the lady of noble appearance is sleeping stiff as stone, and afterwards you could through the opening find the fruit where lies a remedy, the poor maid will be cured. When Troilus heard the feminine voice and the words that she recited in poetic form, he was quite astonished, because it seemed to him that if he were able to understand what the poem instructed, he would cure the princess. He was disappointed he was unable to understand the meaning of these words, to such an extent that he couldn't help himself from saying out loud, Ha ha, very noble goddess, who has comforted me such. Once I'm in the tower, teach me how to find the opening, and the way to pick the fruit and put it to work to cure the maid. And as soon as Troilus heard these words, he heard the same voice that spoke to him in this way. These words don't need explanation. Nevertheless, I say one thing. Love will find the opening, and Venus, who knows the way. To find the fruit will pick it up. Nature will arrange it. If you are a man, go right away. Do not make long speeches here. As soon as Troilus had heard the second poem, he began to think, but he did not understand any more than before. He got up, however, and left the temple. Then he got on his horse and began to ride, pondering the verses whose meaning he could not find, except that he said to himself he would not give up hope before finding the tower where the maid was lying. And he rode all night until dawn. And he arrived at a swamp where he found the dwelling place of an old lady who had left her castle there. When Troilus arrived at the house, he found that the woman was awake. He greeted her in the name of the sovereign god, and the woman answered him politely and said, my lord, you are welcome. Where are you coming from at this hour? Well, my lady, I am looking for the Jumel castle. I beg of you to show me the way. My lord, said the lady, you are not far from it, because as soon as there is a bit more sunlight, from here you will be able to see one of the two castles, and particularly the one where the beautiful Zaladin is asleep. My lady, said Troilus, thank you very much, because I did not know where I was. The noble Troilus was very happy, when he found out where he was, he set out again and took leave from the lady, and he rode so far he saw the Jumo castle before him, which gave him much joy, and he would have been even happier if he had known in which tower the princess was sleeping. He rode so much of the rest of the way, until he was in front of one of the towers, which was on one side of the forest, surrounded by a big moat and raised drawbridge. When the knight saw that one could only enter by the bridge which was raised, he was very unhappy, because he thought that the one he loved the most in the world was sleeping inside. 
He looked at the tower, which was extraordinarily high, and whose every door and window was solidly cemented and covered with great stones, except for one single window at the top of the tower on the eastern side. While Troilus was looking at the tower that was solid, he saw a messenger quickly leaving the fortress, and when he came to Troilus, he asked him which building that was. My lord, said the messenger, this is the Jumal castle which belongs to Zeland, the lord of this island. My friend, said Troilus, is there in the tower his daughter who sleeps continually without waking up? In the name of God, sir, said the messenger, I am telling you that she is asleep in this tower right in front of you. Well, kind sir, said Troilus, the tower seems to be very strong, for I don't see any entrances on any side except for the single window at the top of the tower. My lord, said the messenger, the maid is sleeping on that floor, and no one visits her except her father, Zeland, and they say he enters the tower through an underground passageway. And because he believes that the gods will come to cure her, he put her to sleep so high and made the window face towards the east because he has great confidence in the god of the sun. And the maid would not be able to live more than one day if she did not give her food every time that she needed it. Well, kind man, said Troilus, you are speaking of something extraordinary. But in all good faith, do you know of any other entrance other than the high window? My lord, said the messenger, all the other entrances are walled up except this window, which is the entrance for the gods. The messenger left and Troilus remained in the same place, very surprised at the news furnished by the messenger. But after having thought for a long time, he turned around and headed toward a nearby grove of trees, for he did not want to be seen by the inhabitants of the forest until he found a way to enter the castle. Fortress, I'm sorry. <laughs> Troilus reached the grove and let his horse graze. He sat on a tree stump, thinking of a way he could enter the tower, because he remembered very well that Venus promised to show him the way to cure the maid, provided he could enter the room where she was sleeping. Now we're going to read Book 3, Chapter 48, how Troilus, after defeating Narion, set out to find his lady Zeladine, how Zephyr appeared to him and carried him to the tower where Zeladine was. All day the knight studied how he would be able to enter the tower and he was not able to make any decisions, except what he said to himself, that first of all he had to cross the moat, and then he will decide what to do next. Troilus thought so much about this task that he forgot to drink and eat until night came, and then love took control of his heart and body, for he imagined the beauty of Zeladine, and remembered that he himself had no value without her virtues, of which he was enamored ever since she sent him a crown of nine golden letters. He mounted his horse, and said he would never give up his plan before crossing the tower moat. And no reader, that mad love led him to the edge of the moat, and like a frenzied man he jumped in. But fortune, who usually favors the brave, did so much for him that he reached the other side, and thus Troilus found himself on dry land without any injury. Then Troilus found the wall of the tower so solid that no one could make a notch without huge effort. Now he happened to abandon his horse, and he started looking for a place where he could dig a foothold, which he could not find, Thus, climbing the wall did not seem possible. When Troilus realized that, he became very sad, and he sat down on the ground where he bemoaned his fate, saying, O oh, love, promising happiness, joy, pleasure, and all exquisite delights, you highly provided for me and enriched my life until this day, yet even so, without letting me reach my desired goal. How well you know how to sell at such a high price and to make me buy so dearly the fortune of love. And when those who believe that they have paid their dues and they have earned satisfaction, they find themselves further from it than when they began. O oh God of lovers, provider of justice to all creatures to whom you have had the beginning
promise of many gifts, the lovers who would never be able to manage without repay, were not for the goddess Venus, your merciful and dear mother, comforter of the half-desperate. Are you ready to reveal their treasures and relinquish your treasures so generously that you, outrageous promiser and miserly donor, would not dare to look at her? Indeed, if it were not for all the confidence that I have in Venus, I would relinquish all her promises. When Troilus moans about the subject, he suddenly heard a dreadful gust of wind coming from Great Britain, which subsided quickly. But it very much so seemed to him that a whirlwind had fallen on a pond that was close to one of the sides of the tower. When the storm quieted down, Troilus thought he saw coming a messenger over the moat who was headed directly towards him. Troilus got up and said, Valet, for whom do you come and what are you looking for? Sir, said the valet, I belong to a knight from Scotland who sent me to this island to find another knight from Great Britain. What is the name of your master? said Troilus. Sir, said the valet, I cannot tell you that now, for it is forbidden. But when Troilus knew that he was from Scotland, he quickly thought he had come to search for him to attend his sister, Priand, and her wedding party, and he was very sad, for he did not want at all to be recognized. That is why he decided he would not reveal his identity as long as Zeladine was not in a better state than she was presently. But to find out more from the messenger, he asked him which night he was looking for. Sir, said the messenger, his name is Troilus of Royalville. Could you give me any information about him? Certainly, said Troilus. I think that he could be on this island, but it is up to you to obtain information. I do not want to get involved in this because I do not know his friends from foes. Upon my word, said the messenger, if you knew me as well as I know you, you would not hide the knight, for I can help your needs more than most others, and he would never be able to succeed without my help. Who are you, handsome sir, who is able to help him so much, said Troilus. I am, said the handsome valet, as I am, and the things are as I told you. And when Troilus heard the valet's answer, he was very surprised. He started to have doubts and be afraid, so that he would not want to disappoint. And that is what he said to him. Truthfully, sir, I would like for you to go where he is until he has heard your words, to know if you speak the truth. Sir, said the valet, if I thought he was somewhere else, I would not be here. It is not my intention to hide him. I know very well that you are Troilus, who comes to enter in this tower by Venus's urging. But if you want to enter here, it would be advisable for you to talk to me. And as for the rest concerning you both, good will come of it. When Troilus heard the messenger's words, he was greatly amazed. For as soon as he had seen him walking with dry feet upon the water, he was completely astonished. But at that moment, he was filled with wonder even more. That when he heard that when he heard named and recalled the things he thought no one could speak of except himself and to know more of the subject of his secret and his intention he said to him handsome sir who are you who thinks i am troilus of royalville troilus said the messenger i am he who is able to put you in this tower right now without hurting you without deceiving you and without damaging you provided that you promise to do as i ask how said troilus do you have the power to put me in this tower in spite of my weight Certainly, said the messenger, as he says, I cross this water with dry feet. I will put you in the tower without a ladder, and I will bring you down when the time comes. Upon my word, said Troilus, this would be the biggest wonder that I will ever see. However, said the messenger, I will do it if you follow my instructions. Troilus, because of the valet's words, became very pensive, for his only desire was to be with his lady, seeing that Venus had promised to cure her of the inconvenience that arose, as you have already heard. Thus it happened that by great desire that he had to be with his lady, he granted himself permission to do it as he pleased. 
And then the messenger said, Troilus, since you want to follow my will, I will transport you to the tower where the main lies. And when you are there, govern yourself by the advice of the goddess Venus, provided that, after midnight, when I will call you, you will come to the window and speak to me, and you will do what I tell you, except that you will not have injury to your body as I promised you. On the contrary, you will profit from it, as you will see hereafter. Indeed, my friend, said Troilus, you promised me as much as I desire in order to see the truth. There is nothing that I would not do for you as a reciprocal favor. Truly, Troilus, you have told me such, said the messenger, that in this case I would do you as a favor as a friend, in another circumstance, if it would happen. At the same time, Troilus felt that he was taken and carried in the air, and he did not realize it until he was seated on the windowsill, looked around him, but did not see anyone. He entered into that tower and found in the middle of the room a glowing lamp that was burning very brightly. Then he changed color. Because of the desire that he had to find the beautiful Zeladine, whom he loved more than himself, and for fear that he may be disappointed, he did not dare look around himself to see if she was in the room or not. And as Troilus soon became aware, he saw, along one of the walls of the room, a luxurious and noble-looking canopy bed fit for a queen, because the top and the curtains were whiter than snow. And he was completely astounded, and his blood began to rise to his face, and his body heated up, because he thought it was the bed where the maiden had been sleeping for such a long time. The knight greatly hesitated to approach the bed, as does a true lover who must be brave in his thought and timid in his actions. And nevertheless, when he was a bit reassured, he decided to approach the maiden to see if it was Elodine. For he could be accused of cowardice if he had not gone to see the lady from whom he had such a previous great longing and desire, having seen that she was so close. He then walked up to the curtains and pulled them apart. He saw, lying down, the person whom he loved most in the world, completely nude. And for that reason, his heart and his body weakened so much that he was forced to sit down on the side of the bed. While the knight, governed by the power of love, was still sitting there, he heard the princess breathing in her sleep, so gradual that she screamed like a sweet apparition to him. He could not fully see her, for the light was not strong enough. Fortunately for him, he found a candle that he lit, and then he put in the silver candlestick that he found at the foot of the bed. And then Troila saw the maiden's face, that she was sleeping so peacefully as if she was sleeping naturally, as rosy complexioned as she was, white and tender. This is why Troilus felt more love than ever, for it did not seem at all that she was in an unnatural state. If he could call her and she would wake up. Then he leaned his face close to her and said in a low voice, Wake up, my love, and speak to me. The maiden, who was ne neither able to wake nor sleep, did not answer him at all, nor give any sign of recognition. Yet when Troilus saw this, he said to himself that he had been told the truth about her, then he touched her with his finger several times, but she did not move at all. And when Troilus saw that she was not waking up, neither to the touch nor to spoken words, he became very sad. And then he began to look around at the maid who was sleeping, beautiful like a goddess, tender and ruby red like a rose, and with skin like a fleur de lis. And then in tears he said, O oh, good, wise, and discreet love, I am again very sad when I see you in such a state. And where does this come from? Is this the magic spell of a person who is envious by the goods and graces that the gods lent to you? Or is it the gods' revengeance, by way of the mother or father's mistake? Because I am sure that nature formed you so that in all things you are pleasing to the gods in the world. 
Ah, dear friend, I must have much anger in my heart, since fortune honored me so much that she consented I come before you without fear that someone would come unexpectedly to disturb us. And I see you in such a state that you can neither speak to me nor answer me. This is why the wise say nothing in the world is perfect, for even the most perfect lack something. While Troilus suffered in admiration of the maiden's exquisite beauty, love commanded him to give her a kiss, and Troilus said to her, Maiden, endure that I kiss you. The knight was about to kiss her, but reason and discretion interfered and said, Sir knight, it is not proper for a man to enter a place where a maid is alone in privacy, without previous permission, and he knows he must not touch her while he is sleeping. Having heard within himself these words, the knight leaned back away from his friend, and then desire began to direct him and said, only for this reason he should not stop, and in such a case reason should not interfere, and that honor did not try to interfere, because the kiss serves as a medicine in many ways, and especially it revives those who have fainted and helps to cure the disorder. And when Troilus heard this answer, it pleased him very much. It was convenient that reason could not oppose him. Thus he kissed the maiden more than twenty times. Troilus, having greatly feasted his eyes while kissing the maiden, saw that she did not move except that she became more flushed, and he said to himself that it was because she was sleeping so deeply. But since she changed color, that was a sign she had come to some sort of sensation. And when he saw her, thus renewed of her rosy complexion, she appeared to him so beautiful he was unable to resist kissing her so many times that infinite, infinite number has not been recorded. The gallant knight reveled in the wonder of kissing the maiden, but his pleasure pushed him to doing more and more to see if she would respond. But when he realized she could not move at all, he began to lament strongly, saying, Ah, Venus, goddess of love, people say you fulfill all of the promises that your son, the god of love, makes to those who engage in your service. Oh, kind lady, you yourself promised me that if I were to enter this tower, love would direct me to the opening where the fruit that will cure the maiden lies and that you must teach me how to find it, for I do not know where this plant grows. And for that, noble goddess, please keep your promise, because if the maid does not recover, know that nothing will be more certain than my death. While the knight moaned, he admired the maiden. It happened that he was unable to keep himself kissing so many times because of her beauty. While he was kissing her, the goddess Venus appeared before him and spoke to his heart thus. How can you be so cowardly, young knight, since you are alone next to such a beautiful maiden whom you love more than any other, and you are not lying by her side? And when the young knight heard these words, he was overcome by the urge to act upon his desire. Venus rekindled his heart with her flame, and he wanted to take off his clothes. But loyalty, following the god of love's advice, told him this would be a betrayal. Because he who goes against his beloved should be not considered a friend. When Troilus thought about this advice, he restrained himself from carrying out his plan. As soon as Venus saw the knight was repressing himself, she was angry and disappointed. She then took her firebrand and set Troilus ablaze, and it was as if the heat made him lose his mind. She appeared before him to impress upon him that a coward would never be committed to her lady, neither the maiden nor he would want that, no matter how angry she could be. Thus the knight stood up and quickly disarmed, undressed, and got under the covers with the maiden who was there, completely unclothed, white and tender. Immediately Troilus was in a high state of happiness. He said to himself that a man has never been as happy as he was, if only the maiden could speak, which she had not done so far because the time had not come. And although this lack of speech much hindered his happiness, he followed only Venus's advice, and he acted according to her wishes, 
and so much so that the beautiful Zeladine could no longer rightly be considered a virgin. This happened to her during her sleep and without moving at all, except at the end when she let out a heavy sigh. At that moment, Troilus thought that she should have spoken, and was so frightened that he did not dare utter a word. Instead, he backed away a little bit to deny any accusation if she confronted him and accused him of being disloyal. While he was pondering this, a mysterious messenger who delivered him inside the tower appeared at the window and said, Come, Sir Knight, keep your word, for this time that will suffice, for you have found the fruit that will cure the beautiful maiden. When Troilus heard his name called, he stood up, got dressed, put on his armor, and went to the window where he had, where he who had transported him was waiting. Troilus, who was sorry to leave, said, Ah, messenger, why did you return so soon? You are taking me away from the best joy in the world. Don't worry, said the messenger. If you stay any longer, bad luck will befall you. Climb on me and come. While Troilus got on top of the messenger, he heard someone open the door. But in order that you may know who opened the door, I warn you that when Troilus frolicked with the maiden, the candle he lit could be seen more clearly, and was so bright that Zeland, who was in his bed, could see it. When he saw there was more light in the tower than usual, he sat up to get a better look. And as he was a bit worried, he got up all at once and went through the secret passageway that led to her room in the tower and arrived at Saladin's door. And when he found that the door was locked, he said to himself there was no reason to suspect any mortal, but he thought it was one of the gods who was visiting his daughter. When Zelen found the door was bolted, he was sure the gods had come to the tower to bring some sort of relief to his daughter. He thought he would go to see her. So when he went to wake his sister, who was sleeping in the room next to him, and told her, My sister, get up and come with me to the tower where my daughter lies, because I am sure that one of the gods came to visit her. When the lady heard her brother, she got up, as quickly as she could, and they both followed the secret path and finally reached the tower, then climbed to the top, then arrived at the locked door. Then they saw through a crack in the wall around the door before they arrived and saw that the light was off. Indeed, Zelen said, the gods came. Then he unlocked the door, and when it opened, Zelen and his sister, as it seemed to them, saw fully armed knight shining clear and bright in the moonlight standing on the windowsill. Outside, as it seemed to them, there was a huge extraordinary bird, and then they saw the knight climb astride the bird's back, and then the bird flew away, carrying the knight so quickly that they soon lost sight. When Zelen and his sister saw this marvelous sight, they were truly astonished. Goodness, said Zelen, upon my word, dear sister, we saw some wonders, but would you ever believe that was Mars, the god of war, our direct ancestor, who visited my daughter, and now he leaves as honorably as you saw? Let's go see how Saladin is now. I would really like to, said the lady, who took a torch and lit it from the candle. Then they both went to the bed and found the young lady sleeping as usual. But then they saw her bed had been disturbed, and Zeland, who was worried, leaned down and looked directly at his daughter, and saw she did not look as good as usual, but on the contrary, her face was paler. He said to his sister, Know that the god who left from here gave my daughter some sort of medicine to cure her, for her face is very pale. I am sure that with our cousin Mars' help she will be cured. Truly, said the lady, I think so, too. But you, reader, understand that when the messenger called Troilus, who was sleeping with the young lady, the night was sadder than humanly possible, because he never wanted to leave. We had to keep his word to the messenger. Then he kissed the maiden and kissed her several more times upon leaving. He found a ring on her finger, removed it, and put it on the little finger of his left hand. Then he took another ringer off his finger, the one she had previously given him at the 
beginning of their engagement and put it on the finger from which he had removed the other. And as she still did not say a word, he said to her, My dear and perfect friend, dear lady, I am leaving you because I have to go. The knight, Zeland, and his sister watched the young lady for a long time and afterward they left. And he said to the beautiful Zaladine, Good night, my daughter. Then he said to his sister, who was staying there accompanied by another young lady, Sister, I recommend my daughter to you. Sir, she said, I take full charge of my niece. Then the lady ordered the attending lady to make the bed. But she had hardly remade the bed when she suspected that Mars, the god of war, had been had had far too much contact with her niece. But in honor of the ladies, she hid her thoughts, as you will hear fully hereafter. And now ends the story of Zeland, his sister, and the beautiful Zaladine, who received medicine which will be explained when it happens. And we return out to Troilus to tell what befell him. After the big bird took him from the window, carrying him on his shoulders, as you were told. Book 3, Chapter 55 How the beautiful Zaladine, pregnant from Troilus, gave birth to her baby. How she woke from her sleep, and of the wonders that befell her. The story mentions here that the maiden's aunt left the tower after remaking the bed and tidying the room. She thought that Mars, the god of war, had slept with her niece, which she did not mention to anyone. The young lady remained in her bed as she had been for nine months without waking up and without another visitor other than her aunt who came to see her every day. The only food she had had was a bit of goat's milk that the good lady made her swallow. So it happened that at the end of nine months, one night the beautiful Zaladine delivered a handsome baby boy. And as soon as she gave birth, her aunt came to see her as she used to do regularly. When she approached the bed, there she found the beautiful child next to his mother who was sleeping as always. When the good lady saw that she was still sleeping, she was very surprised, and even more so when she saw the newborn baby scratch his neck lovingly, as if he was searching for his mother's breast. But it happened that he found instead her little finger and began to suck it forcefully. And as he sucked, he began to cough. The lady who was watching all this felt very sorry for the infant and picked him up and said, Ah, young creature, it is not a surprise that you are coughing, because it is only a little liquor that you sucked. Hearing these words, the young lady woke up and stretched her arms, as would someone who did not know what happened to her. Then the lady said to her, Zeladine, my beautiful niece, how you are? Speak to me. How are you? Speak to me. When Zeladine heard her aunt, she answered thus, My dear aunt, I slept well yesterday, and now I feel I am ill, and I do not know how this could have happened. Not yesterday, said the lady, but a long time ago, because since then you have not given any sign of waking up. You have been carrying this beautiful child inside you for nine months, a child you delivered today, but I do not know who the father is. When the young lady heard her aunt and saw her beautiful son, she was very astounded because she doubted that what she saw was real. Then she began to cry because she did not believe that any man could have done something with her body. But the lady felt sorry for her and said, My beautiful niece, do not cry at all for that, and so that you know what has happened, I will tell you. So she told the story from the beginning to the end, how she fell asleep, how the king had set her up in this tower so the gods could visit her. So it happened, my beautiful niece, that Mars, the god of war, our direct ancestor, visited you more artfully than any other god. But it seems to me that was for your good health and also in order that our noble lineage be continued. He was so taken by you that he fathered your handsome son and renewed your health. For this reason, give him thanks and praise and you will not have any worries because I will so well hide this adventure it will never be known. 
When the beautiful Zaladin heard what happened to her, she was so alarmed she could not speak. Then her aunt said to her, Do not be discouraged, but eat well because I will put your child in such a secret place he will never be found or known until it pleases the gods. And know that I have spoken enough. The true cause of your adventure came to mind, which I had forgotten until now. Often speaking in this way, one memory sparks another. And so that you have reason to comfort yourself, I will tell it to you. Because you survived so gently the destiny's anger, who made a curse at your birth, you should be joyful about this wonder. Know then, my niece, that when your mother gave birth to you, she requested I prepare the room for the three goddesses who witnessed the woman's birthing. I prepared the room in the most noble manner I knew. I set the table with food and drink, as it should be, putting before the place of each goddess a setting of bread, a glass of wine. Then I closed the room and went away, but stayed near the door to listen to what the goddesses were saying. And when the three goddesses, Lucinda, Themis, and the beautiful Venus came, Venus being the last to enter, they sat down at the table and began to eat. But Themis, the goddess of destinies, was upset that she did not have a knife, for it had fallen under the table. And it is for that reason that she was not as kind as the others. After that, they had eaten, beginning with Lucinda. My ladies, we have been well received here. For that reason, the child shall be born with a complete and healthy body that will grow if he is well taken care of. Now it is your turn, Lady Themis, who is the goddess of destinies. Certainly, lady, said Themis, you are right. But as if I am the one who did not have a knife, I will give her this destiny. That from the first spin of linen she pulls from the distaff, a splinter will prick her finger, and in this way she will immediately fall asleep and will not wake until the splinter is sucked out. When Venus heard what her companion foretold as destiny to the creature, she said, my lady, you are upset, and that weighs me down, but, by my art, I will see that the splinter will be sucked out and I will arrange everything. And then they left so quickly that I never knew what became of them, and that, my beautiful niece, is what I remember now, and never before did I recall this. But I think that this happened so that this destiny was not prevented by me. For this reason you can know the cause of your adventure whose ending should comfort you, since now it is a question of Mars who is a very powerful god. While the lady was speaking to her niece, she did not stop crying. Then she remade the maiden's bed. While she was doing that, she saw a bird with a magnificent human face and body of a woman below the chest enter the room through the window. He went towards the bed where the child was sleeping and picked him up, spread his wings, and flew out the window saying, Do not worry about the child. When the lady and Zaladin heard these words and saw the beautiful newborn creature being carried away, they were very astonished especially the beautiful Zeladine, who was very sad, but the lady comforted her. After some time, when the beautiful Zeladine was cured, the lady informed King Zeland, and he was so joyous he gave a party that lasted for eight days, praising the god who had so well cured his daughter. One very nice day at the end of April, it happened that Zeladine was sitting at one of the windows in her room, alone and without companion, but completely content in her heart and body, a state she had not enjoyed previously. As she looked up, she noticed the purity of the sky and the greenness of the gardens. Afterward, she looked in the mirror and was very well pleased with her face because it did not seem she had had a baby. Youth and health began to fill her body and beautified her, so much so that she began to feel warm in her heart. In this warm mood, she remembered her friend Troilus, but when she considered she had lost her virginity, it seemed to her she would never again be in his grace, that he had abandoned her instead of looking for her. She felt a great sadness, which lasted until new thoughts came to her mind, because it seemed her situation was so very well concealed, and that Troilus knew nothing, since he was so far from her. 
Many thoughts came to the beautiful Zaladine. She finally began to look at the ring Troilus had given her when she left for Brittany in exchange for another she had given him. But she had hardly looked when she saw the ring she had on her finger was the one she had given to Troilus and not the one he had given to her. So she was very confused and did not know what to think, because it seemed to her that Troilus had come to her rescue during her sleep, although he could not have reached her because of the high fortified tower which surrounded her. Considering this very intensely, she was so deep in meditation that she did not know what to say or do. Here stops the story of the beautiful Zaladine, and we return to Troilus to tell how he came to see her in Zalad. Book 3, Chapter 56, How Troilus of Royalville, after the wedding of Eston and his sister Priand, set off for Zelen to go see his lady Zaladin and the adventures that befell him along the way. So we are at a wedding. After the knights, ladies, and young ladies were seated at the tables, the servants began to serve them with honor. Troilus was very anxious. He did not dare to speak to the young lady because Zelen was across from her and Neroin, his rival, was next to her. Zelen, who was courteous, asked Troilus to eat well. During the banquet, he asked him, Sir Knight, where are you from? Truthfully, sir, said Troilus, I am from Royalville in Scotland. When Zeladine heard that the knight was from Royalville, she blushed from head to toe and remembered as soon as Troilus, for she had not seen him for a year. And then she did not dare to raise an eye to see the knight's face. Her glance fell by chance on the knight's right hand, and she noticed on his big finger he wore a gold ring with an emerald. She immediately recognized this ring and did not know what to think, for clearly the ring he exchanged in the tower during her sleep. The beautiful Zeladine, recognizing the ring, was overcome by a desire to speak to the knight to know where this ring came from, but she was patient and waited until after the banquet when the dances and songs started. Narwin made a decision and went to Zelen to ask him for his daughter's hand in marriage. Zelen granted it to him after consulting the nobles of the royalty. He sent for his daughter and in the patience of his council of advisors. He told her he had promised her to the valiant and wise Narwin. Dear sir and father, answered the young lady, I ask for time until tomorrow at noon. Upon my word, my daughter, said Zelen, I agree. The counselors left and the young lady was very sad because her father wanted her to marry Narrowin, to which she was unable to consent, for her heart had already been given to Troilus. So she meditated this within herself, thinking she would rather flee to the forest, which would eventually lead her to Great Britain, than to take Narrowin as her husband. Then she thought to herself that she would wander off secretly to to find the mysterious knight. Since he was from Scotland, she wondered if he would accompany her to Great Britain. She called one of her ladies-in-waiting and told her to go to the hostel where the knight was staying and to ask him to come secretly to talk to her. Thus, when Zeladine requested that he be summoned by the young lady, because she could not rest until she had spoken to the knight, she secretly led him to Zeladine's room. When kind Troilus learned from the young lady secretly sent by Zeladine, he was happy at heart, and when he came to her house to her secret room and she looked directly at him and she knew that it was her friend Troilus, she was so overcome with joy that she could hardly speak. When the beautiful Zeladine had recognized her friend and knew for sure it was he, she asked him who he was and where he obtained the ring he had on his finger. Troilus did not hide anything. On the contrary, he told her he was Troilus. Afterwards, concerning the ring, he told her at length how he had went to Zeland, how he became mad, how he recovered his senses, how he slept with her, how he exchanged the rings. Then 
told her how he was carried out of Zelen through a window, and how upon returning to Zelen, he had seen in a vision his handsome young son, and how the three goddesses had told him he had a son they were taking care of. As soon as Troilus had told of his adventures to his lady, and they renewed their bond, you cannot imagine the great happiness they felt being together. However, the young lady became very ashamed and began to cry very hard because her friend, by his indiscretion, had taken her virginity. But when Troilus saw her crying so tenderly, he began to comfort her, and then guessing why she was crying. My lady, do not worry. You should be happy, for it was necessary that it happened to you as it did to break the spell of your sleep. And I kindly request that you tell me what has happened since you woke up. My lord, answered the maiden, since the gods and fortune wanted you to take my virginity while I was sleeping, and that I cannot be blamed by any man except you who comforts me, I should be reassured. Then she told him everything, detail by detail, and how it had been destined at her birth this should happen to her, as her aunt had told her. I want thus that you know, she said, that I did not wake up until I delivered our beautiful son who sucked my finger instead of my breast, and then I woke up very tired and exhausted. However, my aunt, who was there at the moment, comforted me. I took my son and branded him with an Israel stone, as is the custom, to avoid the magic spells which many ladies subject him to. Soon after, a bird with a woman's head took my son and carried him away, saying, Do not worry about the child. The adventure did not disturb us very much because we thought that the god had recalled the child. At the time, we thought Mars, the god of war, was the father. When Troilus heard of Zeladine and their son's adventure, he said that the child which he had seen during his voyage was his son, and the lady keeping him had prophesied Britain's glory through him. And I know this is true, said Troilus, because he had the mark that you branded on our son. When Troilus had told her this and saw she was still pensive, he said, My lady, what are you thinking about? Alas, she said, don't I have a reason to be unhappy since you are the man I love most in the world? Nevertheless, my father wants me to become Narowin's wife, but I could never fall in love with him. Tomorrow I must consent to marriage if you do not help me. While saying this, she began to cry miserably and fainted. But Troilus held her in his arms, and when she came back to her senses, they deliberated about what they should do. It was decided that Zeladine should go to Great Britain with Troilus, who promised to take her as his wife in complete safety and security. Three horses were saddled immediately. One for Troilus, another for her, and one for the maid. Then she took her rings, and when everything was ready, all three of them left secretly. And when they were about to leave, Zeladine called one of the maids and said, Sister, tell my father and my aunt the, that Mars, god of war, is taking me to his country because they want me to marry against my will, and God bless you. They left from there and took the most direct route they could towards the sea in order to eventually cross it. Kind Troilus's intention was to attend King Perseverus' party accompanied by his wife. But now ends the story of Troilus and that of the beautiful Zeladine to tell in the fourth volume of the noble festivities that King Perseverus planned and ordained the honor of the sovereign creator of all things. So, thank you for joining for that. I hope you enjoyed the story. Also, wow, talking for an hour is a lot. So I'm gonna go drink a lot of water and some tea. Um, thanks for being here. I can't tell you to read a fucking book because we will discuss this story next week, hopefully. Um, but yeah, stay safe. Happy holidays, and see you next time. Bye. <laughs>